She's fantastic, made of plastic, and does a dead-on impersonation of a horse. It's Vicky, TV's number one robot daughter. Join us to learn more about her and the rest of her family as we take another trip inside the Idiot Box. And welcome to Inside the Idiot Box. It is the podcast where we watch old TV shows that nobody cares about anymore, and we break them down and make fun of them and uh, have a real goof them up. Um, with me, as always, is Jeff Griffith. Hello. Scott Berklin. Hello, everybody. And Josh Parker. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. How's that? Now your microphone sounds much better. For those of you just tuning in, I've been having some mic problems tonight. <laughs> Recording live from inside your sinuses, Josh Parker. You're only supposed to insert it halfway into your mouth. No, it's a throat mic. You put it all the way down there. You're like a sitcom episode where people pick up a radio station and their fillings. Yeah. Uh, anyway, who the hell are you, Dennis Satterfield? Oh, I'm Dennis. <laughs> I'm Dennis. Uh, all right, so today we're going to talk about Small Wonder. The specific episode is season three, episode one, Woodward and Bernstein. Jeff, tell us a little bit about Small Wonder. Small Wonder is a show. Ugh. The end. It, it pains me to even talk about it. Ed Lawson, a cybernetics engineer, and some say a genius, some don't, designs and builds an android he calls the voice input child indicant. Or Vicky, and I, I just want to like throw to this group, is indigent actually a word? And what the hell does it mean? I'm pretty sure it's a color. And maybe it's, bl it's like a blue. <laughs> I think that's indigo. Oh. I think uh, indigent is the special love that a man has for a woman. I'm wondering if they just sort of were like, Blade Runner's a hit, sh th you know, thing. Replicant. Yeah. Ind indigent. Child replicant. Yeah, the kids like the replicants, don't they? Uh, anyway. Ted says Vicky could help society by teaching in schools, working in hospitals, or helping children with disabilities. So that's nice. He's been working on this in secret at nights at the company he works at called United Robotronics. And when he tries to show it to his boss, his quote from the boss is, he wouldn't even discuss it. <laughs> so... Lawson, I don't want to know anything about your underage sex robot. <laughs> get that thing out of my office. So it's just... Lawson, you're a loose cannon, but you get results. <laughs> so he just decides to bring it home instead. So this show ha ran in syndication where apparently there are no consequences to whatever you do. It ran from 1985 to 1989. It had a whopping 96 episodes of Vicky repeating anything said to her. As she, the Lawsons, and, and dare I say we, learn what it is to be more human. Uh, the episode that we're going to get into is the uh, season three premiere. So they came out hot from a second season after uh, blowing away the, the television uh, ratings in season one. And decide to open <laughs> this one with, a, with Woodward and Bernstein. In this episode, Jamie and Reggie, his good friends, search for a story to enter and win the school's journalism contest, but must learn a hard lesson about fact-checking along the way. Oh, and uh, the new kid has been abducted by her dad, so there's that. <laughs> and time permitting. <laughs> so, in Act 1, uh, we start off with 
I guess Ted is stepping up making breakfast and lunch for the family because uh, Joan is a substitute teaching in Jamie's class, which isn't awkward. And uh, Jamie is talking about winning the school journalism contest so he can be a reporter for the paper and Ted threatens to superheat Jamie's water molecules. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, I don't think that makes sense unless you say... Um, I'll superheat your water molecules. <laughs> what are you talking about? He basically threatens to microwave Jamie, but I don't want to give away the punchline. It's that scene, though, that he's he turns to to Jamie and says that, and they and I felt like even the the camera operator is like Jesus, and had to like hold on Jamie and show Jamie's reaction of like, <laughs> you know, because that's me and Dad. We joke like that all the time, just like because I think at the 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 home audience would be like. I think we need to take Jamie out of that home because this is this is a horrible environment. Well, the, the dad has a child sized microwave in the in the kitchen or in the in the garage. That's where he made <laughs> the robot in, right? It's yeah. it's shaped like a child, oddly enough. No, the I, I think it's worth noting um, that the dad has perhaps, and I don't know if I'm the only one that noticed this, the longest pants I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He has this pair of gray dress pants on that I swear to God go from his feet up to under his chin. It was the 80s. He's wearing them Fred Mertz style. He fully is. Um, and, you know, you, you hit on something there, Jeff, that I think is, uh, is interesting kind of about the way they play things throughout this whole episode, which is they're almost uncertain of the jokes that they're making. So there are all these jokes about what a terrible cook the dad is. Yeah, but they don't really commit to any of them. So the actors are kind of like super subtle with their movements and stuff. And yes. if you listen to the laugh track, which I assume is a live studio audience, you can almost hear the audience like puzzled about, do I laugh at that or do I yes. not? Like you said, put him in the microwave. Is that funny? Yeah. And I, a little later uh, when he's serving the uh, the oatmeal that he made, I, I totally noticed that when he was pouring the oatmeal and he's pouring it directly from the pot and he's kind of doing it in a, in a really like kind of bachelor-esque way where he's like holding the pot with like a washcloth <laughs> or something. It's just like really weird. And the audience is kind of like, I don't know. Is this funny? Is this supposed to be funny? I don't know. You, well, and you've got the one guy in the audience that's like doing the unexpected kiss reaction. Like he's like, whoa, oh, oh nobody else. No, no one else. OK. That's probably the producer is like, we got to start this off. Somebody's got to We got somebody to we got to lead the audience here. <laughs> it's the one man wave at a football game. I think Jamie said something about straining the lumps. Did, did anybody understand? And I don't have the quote of that, but I he was sort of saying does anybody remember that quote, the, the straining the lumps? Yeah. Ted says, I'm making your breakfast while your mom is, is teaching. And Jamie says, oh, are you straining the lumps? I don't know what the joke is there. I didn't know if it was a dig on him being a bad cook or seeing if that was the level of proficiency in, in oatmeal making he was he was doing because they kind of call back to it when he serves it to his wife and he's like one lump or two. And I'm just like, I'm confused. Well, and it's well established in the Humpty dance that some people like their oatmeal lumpy. <laughs> By the way, I, I just wanted to mention, this is really Josh's to say, but uh, did anybody notice the fireplace in the kitchen? Yes. And 
how weird that is. <laughs> Yet again, I missed it. I, you guys keep bringing this up, and I keep <laughs> missing the fucking fireplace in the kitchen. Oh, that's that's a fireplace. I thought that was the the child microwave. <laughs> <laughs> it very well could have been. Could have been. Could have been. It's the brick oven pizza we or uh, brick pizza oven we all have in our uh, kitchen. The fire where I forge child robots. <laughs> <laughs> like this family room kind of like fireplace that just like smack dab right in the middle of the freaking kitchen yeah i think they also have a, a fireplace in the bathroom we see later on in the show for some reason <laughs> that would be a great running yeah. through line if just every room they went into like when they're in the kids school there's a fireplace that would be nice it just strikes me as the set designer was kind of like it's real drab in this area <laughs> Let's throw a fireplace in there just to kind of break up the whole scene, but okay. Nothing perks up a room like a fireplace. There's a scene in season two where Ted and Joan are driving to the store and Ted says, uh, uh, Joan says she's cold. So Ted um, puts a log in the car's fireplace to heat it up. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that in that one episode. <laughs> I was a little worried when you paused after uh, puts a log in and then you added the fireplace. I think it still works. Um, did anybody notice in this particular uh, scene, a lot of the, uh, a lot of deep throat like indicators, like we're sort of like priming the concept of the Woodward and Bernstein, like uh, Jamie, I think says he doesn't like, I can't remember what he doesn't like, but he does the gagging sound. And then of course, uh, Vicky repeats it for something else. And oh, he says he doesn't like the cafeteria food, so he sticks his finger down his deep throat and makes a makes a gag noise. That's yeah. right. <laughs> can we just, and I know we're getting a little ahead of the game here, can we talk about the fact that uh, this child and or family show uh, is continually referencing um, a name of an informant that's taken from a 1972 porn film. Yeah, we can. I guess we have. <laughs> we just did it. <laughs> well, podcast over everyone. Nice work. That's right. <laughs> Do your research, small wonder writing staff. Well, let's, uh, so while we're on the subject of small wonder writing, um, so the uh, gentleman who wrote this, uh, Bobby Herbeck, is also featured. He has an acting role in this. I as know. The, uh, chicken delivery man. Um, yes. But it, dude's got quite a career. So he did some acting in MASH. He is uh, in several episodes of Different Strokes. He did a few episodes of The Jeffersons. But his big claim to fame as a writer was he yeah. wrote uh, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. Yeah, I in, saw uh, that. 1990. So he's uh, he's got some street cred. He probably more than anybody else in the episode. So I'm not really certain what happened here. Did anybody look at the uh, director of this episode? Leslie Martinson? I did. Yeah. yeah. Leslie uh, Martinson, who he has an amazing directing career um, yeah. going as far back as directing episodes of like Maverick and the Roy Rogers show. But he is, I mean, he's a who's who of TV direction from like really the late sixties on through to the eighties. He did like Ironside, Love American Style, Brady Bunch, uh, Mannix, Barnaby Jones, Six Million Dollar Man, Eight is Enough, Chips, Fantasy Island, Different Strokes. So, I mean, he's, he's got chops. There was a lot of 
wacky one-off 80s shows that I figured would end up on this podcast too as well. I thought I thought I saw Manimal on there. <laughs> well, you know, where he won my heart and and this is this is really his claim to fame, two episodes of Batman plus the yes. director of Batman the movie. Yes, that was my thing. I was like, he is a genius. He directed Batman the movie, that guy. Well, and and what's funny is I, you know, if you go back and you look at Batman and, and Batman the movie, obviously when you watch it through, you know, 2020 eyes, there's a lot of really sly subversiveness in there that, you know, people yeah. weren't picking up on at the time. And as floundering of a show as Small Wonder is, I think you see that throughout the episode. Yeah, a little and the bit. fact that they're throwing out, you know, Deep Throat and talking about Woodward and Bernstein and stuff. It's just they don't seem to know what to do with it. They've yeah. got these ideas and they just don't go anywhere. Where is Leslie Martinson now? What? He's, he's oh, alive and well. Sadly. No, he's, well, he's been right. dead. All right. Oh. He's dead. He's dead. God yeah. damn it. He's an old man. That's right. Yeah, he directed episodes oh. of Maverick, for fuck's sake. He's old. I was going to say, he directed episodes of the Roy Rogers show. Of course he's fucking dead. I guess, um, that's, I guess that's fair. He's dead. Thank God. That's not nice. <laughs> I will say this. He's polishing the apple in heaven. Going, nah, don't get ahead of yourself. We don't know yourself. what that means. Don't get ahead of yourself. Oh, that's right. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. So, yep. so there, there's a couple of sight gags that I think happened, um, I think after the script was written, that I think may have come from the director, Mr. Martinson. Uh, there is a scene where uh, later on where Ted is making a joke about their, the horrible food that Ted is making that uh, um, he's kind of stirring a pan and he's holding it in front of Jamie's face yeah. and he kind of pushes yeah, it I away. It ha and then he, he pushes it over towards Joan's face and then she kind of pushes it away. Those aren't really connected to the dialogue that, no, uh, yeah, that Ted's giving, but they're kind of like these little subtle sight gaggy type things that pretty smart, you know, good, good stuff. And, and makes sense coming from a veteran director, like, uh, like, uh, Mr. Martinson, but they don't read. And it does make sense play. when Jamie wants to use a uh, shark repellent yeah. on the, uh, on the, uh, yeah, exactly. on the dinner. Some days you just can't get rid of dad's oatmeal. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's you. You hit the nail on the head, Dennis. With you know, a, there's a, like a kernel of something there, and it's almost like the director and the writer and the cast all just went, "Fuck it, that's clear enough." Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the director knew what he was in for on this. I mean, he can't have any illusions, having been so experienced as he was. He's like, "Oh, it's a syndicated show, so this is total bullshit. It doesn't matter whether it's good or not." Something else I want to point out in this scene, and this is just how my weird brain works. So, you know, obviously uh, the scene wraps up with, uh, you know, Jamie complaining about the dad's food and, and his school lunch. And, um, you know, the dad saying, well, you're welcome to make your own lunch if you don't want to eat in the cafeteria. And so, of course, Jamie enlists uh, Vicky to make him a lunch and she makes him a sandwich um, in like triple time because, yes. you know, she's some amazing android. Did anybody else stop to think that anytime they do a gag like that, that has to be filmed in real time? Yeah. And even though I know they probably did that as like a pickup shot to not bore the audience, I love the notion that they just sat there for five minutes and filmed, <laughs> um, you know, that actress. They said, hey, everybody, she's uh, 
she's going to be making a sandwich, you know, we'll, we'll speed it up in post-production. It'll be really funny, but you know, for those of you in the audience now, just in real time, she's going to be making a sandwich. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's like Warhol, um, eating the Whopper hamburger in, in real time as, as performance art. That's so true. Cause she, uh, you know, I, I went back and watched it. She makes the whole goddamn sandwich. She does. And, and to your point, and, and did we confirm that there literally is a live audience? Because they do a lot of this sort of crappy blue screen stuff throughout, you know, the, uh, the series of her picking up a couch to vacuum under it or lifting a bed or different, different kind of stuff like that. Does like, how do they, how do they deal with that in a, in a live audience sort of way, I guess. I mean, I would assume, and I don't know this for certain that they're pickup shots, but you know, again, in my head, the making of the sandwich, I would just like to believe that, you know, there's some poor warm up guy who's out there in the audience and he's like, you know, thanks for laughing at my stand up shtick. And, you know, let's all just, you know, grit your teeth. We got to get through the next five minutes. She's going to be making a fucking sandwich. <laughs> no, compared to the other qualities of the show, maybe they thought that was the most entertaining thing they'd seen all day. They're like, Damn <laughs> it probably it. was. It got the biggest laugh for some reason. Yeah. They said she'd make a sandwich. She made a sandwich. Would she fucking I'm... love when <laughs> Tiffany Brissett makes sandwiches. <laughs> I'm I'm satisfied. <laughs> and well, can can I say this though? Why did Jamie have her make the sandwich so fast? He tells her, "All right, make my lunch." Double Vicky. time, yeah, yeah, double time. Why? Yeah, well, there's no establishment that like, oh, by the way, Vicky, I'm uh, you know, I'm running a little late for school. The bell's gonna ring in you know, like ten minutes or no, so. No, nothing like that. He just wanted to see her work fast. He gets off on it. It's a power trip for him. Well, she does live in a box in his room, which you know, the less said about that, probably the better. That's a fair point. Is I, we presume that's where she recharges. That's her docking station, if you know what I'm saying. I don't. And I think you do. I might. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a, and it was, and I, if I recall, it was just like, okay, so Vicky's now going to stay here. And Jamie just sort of pipes up and goes, can she stay in, you know, can she stay in my wardrobe box? And they were like, yeah. I just want to know, like, is she like a Roomba? Are there ever episodes where like the battery runs out before she can make it back to the box? And so she's just like dead somewhere in the house. That would be a great Halloween episode. <laughs> just when you like Jamie might rely on that happening. That's yeah. true. Then she can't, she don't remember what he does to her. And Oh, we call that Cosbying. What? What the, how did this turn so dark so quickly? Well, I should. You see, when the battery dies on the <laughs> Vicky unit, uh, he's like, he's he's he closes and locks the doors. He puts little obstacles in the way so she can't get back. It's terrible. I just love the fact that you know the the dad's some super genius that can create this robot, and he never stopped to think. You know, I got this 14-year-old son. He's right on the uh, the cusp of uh, puberty and probably, like, spanking it every night in the bedroom. I That's where yeah. I should put the box. <clears throat> well, he, you know, it, again, it was Jamie who asked if it could, 
if that's where it could be. And they just simply agreed. Yeah, sure. Why not? And son, you'll find out that I made it anatomically correct. Oh, boy. So, Dad, you you're know, I, this has all been a burden on you and mom. And, you know, I just I, I'd like to do my part in making sure this box doesn't clutter up the house. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway. Hey, before we move um, on to the next thing, hang on. Uh, Josh, yeah. you're you're muted. Have you been trying to say anything, or did you just not want to be part of the? No, no. I'm just uh, I'm staying muted until I until I speak. Until you have just, anything. Okay, I was just making. Sure. No, no, yeah, no. He's mostly been farting the entire time. Well, no, I, I'm uh, I'm still kind of working on something for work, so I, I didn't want to. <laughs> Sorry, I know this. No, I'm. <laughs> I'm on deadline this week. I apologize. I'm just finishing something up. I'm doing both. Happy to be that's here. That's so great. I'm listening to everything that is being I said. I got to clean up the mat lines on the sandworm teeth. It's a whole no, thing. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm here. But yes, I, I had it muted so that you yeah. didn't hear my uh, keyboard. So if there's nothing else, I can move on to what we call, what we gently call act two. Electric boogaloo. Go for it. Act, act two takes us to Jamie's class as Joan, his mom, prepares the lessons and Principal Bryant enters to introduce a new student, Chrissy. So we're at the, uh, we're now at class and I don't know when exactly this happened in the series, but uh, Vicky has now joined the class with Jamie. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was like to keep her a secret, right? That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. So, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that, because I made a note about the fact that, you know, Chrissy has at least two moments where she sees her do something that's just not possible for a human being to do and just kind of goes, ha, 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 that's oh, Vicky, you're so silly. I have a theory about that, but continue. OK, I agree. And I and I think when when they establish that he brings home like an android that it's going to be just a secret then they're not going to tell they're not going to tell anybody that she's an android they're going to try to pass her off as human so if we didn't make that clear that's what's happening but i would think that you're you're talking about trying to keep this person a secret then you decide you're going to enroll her in the local public school and by the way if no one has noticed or seen the show before everything that vicky says is in total rote like stereotypical robot monotone. So it's very bizarre. Like she has a very bizarre, you know, vocal, I don't know, is it a disability or an accent? I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah, and it's a cadence, a, I think. A speech impediment. A speech impediment, perhaps. And and I would think like in what grade do you think that is? Fifth or sixth? Uh, you know, it's funny. I I was trying to figure that out, so I looked up the uh, the actors, and the actors playing Vicky and Jamie would have been about fourteen at the time. So, oh, really? Right, right on the edge of like the end of middle school, beginning of high school. So probably still middle school. That's wow. how I took it. Interesting. Yeah. So I think any kind of difference or weirdness would be like immediately called out and bullied. So it just seemed like that's not the way to that's not the way to go, particularly since she's got superhuman strength, has the complete inability to not only either repeat everything you say to her or do things that you literally tell her. So any kind of 
like just expression that you would say would end up in like death or maiming because she would like go and do the thing you just said. Yeah. Well, like in another scene and and we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but you know, she's, she's literally speed reading. So once again, she's sped up. So again, back to that, uh, vision in my head of making a studio audience sit through her reading the whole thing so that they could speed it up later. Yeah. Um, but the mom plays it off and you know, what would Chrissy, the new kid think like she's sitting there watching her talk the way no human being could talk. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I agree. And but, Josh, Josh, you had a theory on that on, 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 on why walk, she wouldn't be uh, surprised by seeing why Chrissy doesn't like just go, Holy shit. What's going on. Yeah. So they established in the episode that she's from Arizona and her father is a, <laughs> her father is a, uh, a child abductor. So there's a good chance he's a meth head. She's probably seen, Superhuman feats of strength <laughs> and, and weird people talking all the time. I just moved here from Canada and they think I'm slow, eh? That's pretty good. That's I'm going with that. Just, I think you know. that's a solid theory. Okay, well, I know we we actually I feel like we skipped over the most important thing that happens in the first I think 15 or 30 seconds of the scene when principal Bryant goes over to uh, Joan to introduce Chrissy. Yeah. He, um, he walks up to, uh, to Joan's desk and says this. Good morning, Mrs. Lawson. Oh, good morning, Mr. Bryant. Well, what can I do for our illustrious principal? Well, first you can stop polishing the apple. (laughs) (laughs) Woof. Oh God. Ooh, girl. Which I say, never stop polishing the apple, Joan. 1980 sexual harassment. That was before we were woke, guys. Now, what? there's another episode of this show called The Bully. And what was the quote that um, that we were talking oh, about? Oh, jeez. Yes. Equal parts innuendo. Yeah, uh, that Jamie <laughs> says. Wait a second. Do I still have that? I, I think the bully. I think the bully threatened him by saying, "I'm going to polish your apple." <laughs> yes, and I, I know we're we're getting outside the the realm of us promising all of you that we would only watch one episode of this. But <laughs> I've watched everyone. Here's here here's fr- the the innuendo from the bully. Dad, it's hard to talk while you're sucking on a guy's fist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so so clearly this writing staff um, yeah. had some things going on and and some other ideas. Well, he's not wrong. I, he, he is not wrong. Okay. And again, you're 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 talking about a show that would you know later reference Deep Throat. Um, again, taken from a 1972 porno film. Yeah. Uh, and I thought the premise of the show was that we supposedly watched every episode and then kind of gave you a summation of it so that you wouldn't have to. But so I don't know why I had to watch 96 episodes and you guys just watched the bully in this. Oh, one, did so. we neglect to tell you we were only watching this one? And the F bully? you guys, I wanted to <laughs> gouge my eyes out and I was just thought I was doing a public service. So go to hell. So I also want to bring up my unease with being unable to determine. So Reggie, who is yeah. uh, Jamie's friend and, yeah. and cohort in the whole Woodward and Bernstein thing has a couple of lines that I just couldn't tell like 
is that racist? Should I yeah. feel uncomfortable with that? No, I think you're I think you're onto that. I'm not her brother. I'm just a brother. Hang on, here it is. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jamie, her brother. And this is Reggie. I'm not her brother. I'm just a brother. <laughs> uh, if it weren't yeah. for the fact that I knew it was written by a white dude, I might roll with it. Yeah. I kind of I'm in the same boat and there's one other that happens later in the uh in the show that I I also call out. That is uh I don't know how I feel about being a Bernstein, I think was Would what that it was. be the yeah, I'm not sure I'm right for a Bernstein. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. Interesting. But since we're all like four white guys, I guess we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. No. Wait, you guys are white? <laughs> That's it. I'm out of this podcast. By the way, by the time we get to act two here, there's a lot of disparaging remarks on cafeteria food. And I just wanted to throw out to this, this group here. Uh, I, my growing up, I was a little on the uh, poor side and I couldn't afford cafeteria food that often. So whenever I could, I always thought that was like a massive treat. Where do you guys land on that? You know, when, when I was in high school and I thought I was Mr. Like, I know everything and I'm going to get you with this one. Um, I used to tell my you know friends, why is it that everybody walks around going, are you going to eat that? Can I have that? Are you going to finish that? And at the same time, they talk about how terrible the food is. Yeah. I mean, I was I was a huge fan of like those weird uh, like pizzas that were that were cooked in a cookie sheet. Oh, like a the deep... square pizzas were the yeah the square best, pizzas man. were the best. I would um, they had like a a McMuffin where they had somehow smashed a piece of bacon into like a weird spiral, but it was totally and completely flat, and they put it on to a a McMuffin or like a uh, sorry a uh, an English muffin with like a piece of like American cheese, and the the best ones were the ones that had been left out for maybe five or six hours. So they had just gotten like dehydrated and somehow that was now, did you, did you get weird shit like baloney boats? Did they do that? No. Kind of thing where it was like Florida baloney thing? and mashed potatoes. I probably, we that's, did all kinds of, that's got a, that's Florida got a Florida shit. stink to it. I, um, they put I, pig snouts on my mashed potatoes. I accidentally <laughs> walked into the law to, into the wrong locker room at school once. And I saw some girls baloney boats. And uh, it was embarrassing. <laughs> he was polishing her baloney bone. You know what, guys? That's sex. That's sexist. What's wrong with being sexy? That's sexual harassment, and I don't have to take it. Um. So what you guys are saying is you agree with me that cafeteria food was awesome, and what the hell's wrong with Jamie? Other than the horse meat hamburgers, yeah, I think the cafeteria food was great. I never had a problem with those. And for the record, that's an evergreen premise. Bob's Burgers did a whole episode on Bob inadvertently getting horse meat from a discount meat vendor. I had horse meat as a child. Uh, it was a thing that was not not illegal to have horse meat, and it was cheaper than than cow meat at the time. So my parents didn't tell me that's what I was having. I have to say, as a Floridian, I've had all kinds of weird shit. I've had rattlesnake, I've had gator, I've had turtle, never had horse meat. I had it. I couldn't tell you what was happening. I didn't know that I was having it. So what was the... Okay, let's let's go back. 
what was the circumstance in which you were eating horse meat as a child? It was the horse meat festival. It was just like horse meat hamburger. It was hamburgered horse meat. So it was just like a cheaper meat version of like, so they were just like, it was just cheap. And okay, I don't your know. 99 cent store horse meat. Yeah, it was, it was a cheap meat because we were a poor family. You apparently. guys used to eat at Arby's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it would just be like, you know, beef stroganoff, except not beef. Horse stroganoff. Horse stroganoff just doesn't roll off the tongue. So they, mm-hmm. they knew enough to not tell us that that's what was happening. Um, but. It wasn't like something that was illegal. It didn't fall off the back of a truck or something. So, so if they didn't tell you, how did you discover? Like, did the head end oh, up later. in your bed, a la <laughs> Godfather? Or yeah, no, just years later or something. It must have come up in conversation where they're just sort of like, "What's the weirdest thing you ate?" And you know, someone said horse, and I was like, "I never ate that." You ate like, yes, horse, you have, actually. Have. You actually had that. Now I'm a vampire. How old were you when you found out? That you had eaten horse meat. I must have been in my teens somewhere. So just like one of those family lore things. So it was when I was young in the seven, eight, or nine range when when it must have happened and maybe younger. So when you found out about it, did you feel like you wanted to grab your best friend from school and, and write an article about it? I did not. So yeah, thanks for looping this back in. And mm. neither did I try. Weak premise. It all comes full circle. <laughs> and I didn't. Uh, I didn't make a neighing sound that was like from the depths of hell either. So can again just to you know harp on this whole why does Chrissy not notice something's amiss here? Um, so Vicky does this perfect. What is clearly a horse noise horse impression and Chrissy just sort of laughs and goes, oh, you're funny. Here. Horse me. Um, if one of my friends did that. In a podcast, we can't begin to explain the face that she's making when she does that, which was clearly directed by an adult telling her, hey, do this, but comes off as so incredibly weird because the Winnie part is like a recorded insert and then the the lip you know the yeah. horse lip was added by the actress but yeah it was just like it kind of reminded me of something out of like the thing or something where there was just this inhuman noise coming out of this out of this person that was just horrifying it was Right before the Lawson family did the blood test to find out which one was uh, exactly, infected. I would have totally wet myself if I heard this coming from from some child. Like, and she was like, "Oh, Vicky, you're so funny." But that brings us into Act Three. So I let me let me synopsize Act Three. So we're in this act. This is we're back home now. Um, Vicky helps Chrissy with her homework as Jamie and Reggie are plotting to come up with some worthy story for their uh, contest. Uh, Ted recommends they team up rather than work alone, like the legendary uh, journalists Carl and Bernstein. I'm sorry, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward. Carl and Bernstein. Hello, I'm Carl and Bernstein. <laughs> hey, I'm Carl Bernstein, and I'll Simonize any cost <laughs> for 1995. Right. <laughs> Let me. Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward. They deserve to have their names said not weirdly. Uh, Vicky repeats some shit she heard from Chrissy 
who was joking about a thing about horse meat and the boys just run with it. I guess just like, you know, Woodward and Bernstein. So this is that that point where I Scott has hit this like repeatedly, but I just like it just really bugs me that Vicky's like apparent androidness and her monotone like nature is just like taken so naturally. And I I'm just gonna repeat, she's like this Vicky is this extremely sophisticated android. She's got mechanics and articulation that are programmed into her that are extremely lifelike. She looks like a nine or 11 year old little girl who fidgets and, and twitches and does like normal human things. And then Ted decided he was going to program all these different things like random blinking and shuffling and just doing these, all this intense detail. And then he gives her the voice of like the worst Stephen Hawking, like recording. And nobody seems to like mention it. It's got, how come you talk the way that you talk? So at the beginning of this scene, can we just uh, talk briefly about the comment Reggie has about their first attempt at an article, which is about Bobby Harbeck and his first pimple or Harbeck. And yes. he couldn't how he couldn't even say where. Yeah. So what do we think is it on the ass or on his dick? I don't know. Have you ever seen a pimple on someone's dick? I've not. So you're going with ass then? Like I've I've said it once, I've said it a million times, I'm going with ass. Because is there anywhere else where he couldn't say where? I mean, he could say back, he could say leg, say arm. Yeah, ass. It Can you get... And I'm going to talk from personal experience right now. So guys, take a seat. Are we going to talk dick I've pimples? Never had a, I've never had a dick pimple. Dick pimple, private eye. I didn't know that was a thing. So it's not, is it? Or is it? I've never had a dick pimple. I've never met Bobby Hairbeck, so (laughs) I don't know. I've had, I've had boils. I've had itchy, rashy, uh, you know, inflated mounds. But never had a pimple. Which was also your stripper name, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) And strangely, I never got tipped. It was the worst up next on the pole, itchy, rashy, inflated mounds. <laughs> and everybody just moved away from the stage. I was like, come on, guys. I think we should uh, tweet at Bobby Herbeck and get to the bottom of this. What I think. <laughs> Where was the pimple? <laughs> Where is the pimple now? Oh. Sadly. I guess that means in the 1987 temple has died. So this is the same scene where Scott was talking about the speed reading. So we start the scene with the monotone talking and then, and we're cool with that. And then we double down with the speed reading where she literally sounds like a, you know, record player or, or tape recorder, like turned on like high. So their, their voice goes up. It should chick chipmunk sound and they're like reading really quickly and here here and then i'll i'll hang on i'll play it for you oh you have it i think it would go something like this i can speed read too new york was the first settled by the dutch in 1625 (laughs) (laughs) this would be a good time to interject that somebody just did 
a video on YouTube of the entire first Chipmunks movie, but slowing <laughs> down their vocal parts so they sound like the actual actors. Oh my god! <laughs> I think uh, somebody should do that with Vicky and also make her make the sandwich in real oh time. Oh my god, that'd be great. Uh, to Dennis's earlier point, uh, when they filmed that, I wondered did, did an audience have to sit and watch her read a book in detail so they could speed it up? In my dreams, they did. Yeah. The thing I, I found fascinating about this was first inside the, the realm of the, the characters like that Chrissy is like, oh, cool, you're doing something completely non-human. And that's just, just, just amusing. I'll just, I'll just roll with that. Oh, you. The second thing is outside of the characters, but as a part of like um, filmmaking, you might say, why did they keep the entire thing? Because the entire Speed Red thing is like, five or six seconds we just heard it it was like why did it need to go on that long the whole kind of concept was get in and out you know like we established that she's capable of reading fast so why did we just like read like a solid five seconds of sped red stuff so the actual initial reading must have been 15 or 20 seconds of something i just kind of you just weren't getting it Jeff. no i guess either. not i guess i want to just revel you know like they were like well we need to have it long enough because the last will be going for so long. We want to like keep it going so that, you know, so, we're able to ride. Through so the, the logic was people are going to love this so much. We need to keep this going. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're going to just like, let it be background stuff while they're just laughing through the whole thing. So we can, so we don't step on any of the, the lines that happen afterwards. And, and as you heard from the clip, they laugh after the first two seconds and then yeah. it goes yeah. on for seven more seconds. Yes. And then you can hear yeah, the, audience the audience goes, like, oh, <clears throat> oh, you're just going to keep going here. I, uh, I'm going to I'm going to try this live, but I slowed down that clip. Let's see if uh, if if it sounds interesting. Here you go. New York was the first settled by the Dutch <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> no. No. Oh, stop. Yeah, you have to stop. What? You it's not done stop. yet. Let me try it again. It's not no, just my impression. <laughs> Why? You just slowed it down. You didn't. Nothing. Nothing changed. Well, I don't know how to do pitch shift on it. I don't know how that works on this thing. <laughs> Much right now. Uh, um, by the way, a small, very, very small thing, and maybe it's regional, but Chrissy refers to the hamburgers that she, you know, jokingly says is horse meat as sandwiches. Sandwiches. And I was like, wait, she does? Yeah, she says, oh, I, I don't, I'm not that hungry because of those sandwiches I ate. And then we figure out those are hamburgers at some point, but I was like, are there still people left in the world that say hamburger sandwich? No. Oh, that's what I was wondering. I was just sort of like, I'd, ne I'd never used that as a term in my life. So I was just like, is that a regional thing? Or I wonder if that was also like maybe a, in the previous draft of the script, they had sandwich and just didn't change it. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think people have called, I mean, a hamburger is, you know, a sandwich. So it, you know, it is. We have to admit that, don't we? I could see, given the age and tenure of the people on this uh, writing and directing crew, I could see them referring. Yeah, to I feel like sandwich. I feel like the last time a hamburger was called a sandwich is in 1937. But 
it was it is it is a you know meat between two pieces of bread thing which makes kind of sense but just like it never gets called that in in like the last arguably 50 years i don't know if they've established where the show actually takes place to know if that was a regional thing intentionally or, or have they announced did they uh no, I was more asking this group here, as we're you know extreme, extremely diverse oh. foursome, yes. and like had you <laughs> had you from your family or background ever no. heard it used as a sandwich? Not not me. Yeah, no. I think we represent. I always hear it in the context of people joking about how old timey people would talk. Yeah, like you know, if you called it petrol or something like that, that would be like the joke. I'm going to have a hamburger sandwich. Hey, hang on a second. I have, uh, I think I've been able to, to, to pitch down Vicky's voice. Let me see oh, if this Jesus works. Jesus Christ. Three, two. New York was the first settled by the deck in 1624. In the early years of Messiah, the conditions of living in the English colonies fostered a spirit of independence and self-reliance there. Many of these people had come to America to escape civil oppression at home. That is... We are the things that were and shall be again. <laughs> the musical that, that is... Dead by dawn, dead by dawn. That is creepy <laughs> and awesome. <laughs> Josh, are you saying that she sounds like she sounds like Don Pardo? Yeah. <laughs> 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 A piece of toast. <laughs> I, that was really weird. I felt like I was sort of like listening into like an alternate, you know, universe I wasn't supposed to listen into. It was, it was creepy. Oh, it does sound like the uh, Evil Dead Two Deadite voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sam and Rainey it sounds like I don't know if that was happening on your end, uh, Dennis, but it sounded like they were they were going up and down with pitch themselves. Well, that was me trying to adjust it. So what was oh, happening was. Uh, when they did it, they pitched her up at the end, like it slowly ramped up. So I was trying to correct for that. I got you. I got it to where her, where it kind of yeah, sounded, sounded like, her, like her. and then it yeah. pitched up again. So then I had to pitch it down gotcha. to, to see if I could get it. But I think that's what made it sound like Don Pardo as she was pitching up at the end. <laughs> Musical guest, a tribe called Quest. <laughs> <laughs> So at the end of this act, we go back into the kitchen where uh, they decide they're going to be, you know, this is the the other, I don't know if this is racist comment. Reggie doesn't think he's right for Bernstein. I'm not sure I'm right for Bernstein. And we're just sort of like, hmm, interesting. So can we now, now in the vein of, uh, you know, half-ass commitment to jokes, we've got head throwing the pasta on the side of the cabinet which you know i think a lot of people know that like the old sort of myth about testing if pasta is done or not is if you throw it at a wall but there's so little attention paid to the moment that you, again you just kind of hear the audience go <laughs> yeah it gets kind of a laugh like because it's a it's weird but that's about it but I don't think that was written in the script. I think that was something they did during rehearsal. You know what I mean? Like the director went, hey, uh, Dick, while you're doing that line, throw the pasta against the, the, the door. Was that his name? Or you think the director hated the actor? <laughs> hey, Dick. Hey, Dick. 
throw the pasta at the wall. No, the director called everybody dick. This is abusive. <laughs> it's also a missed opportunity to have uh, Vicky throw the pasta against the door and have it like go right through the wall. Yes. <laughs> Around the world and then back and stick. <laughs> yes. Vicky the robot's famous pasta bullets. Um, hey, and then one one time I was in school and I walked into the wrong locker room and I saw this girl's pasta bullets. It was embarrassing. <laughs> My favorite Bob Marley and the Whalers album. So after they they go back out <laughs> to the living room and that's when they hear Vicky, who for whatever reason repeats certain things and then has a normal conversation with certain things. But at this time, she just simply repeats that there's horse meat being served in the cafeteria. And this is when the two boys are just like, yeah, that's that's true. And then they they decide to call Vicky deep tonsils. And I was just sort of like, anybody? Anybody want to make a joke there? Yeah. How, how to make a uh, 1972 porn film joke worse. Yeah. Deep gag reflex. Are we ready for act four? <laughs> Hang on. Deep throat. Just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ted. So in Act 4, uh, we move back into Jamie's class, and uh, Principal Bryant rips into the boys for their unfounded, unsupported accusations that horse meat is served in the cafeteria. So they, I think they had an expectation that they were going to be lauded with like brilliant reporting, and it turned out that apparently making shit up is not considered cool interesting seriously though was i the only one that noticed that the scene starts with a ripoff of the cheech and chong classic sister mary elephant no i thought that too scott wow with uh with the mother doing the class class and then yelling i (laughs) did not no me and cheech marin apparently were the two that noticed that no no i i think it's a failure on my point i just didn't know that that got ripped off from somewhere not as savvy in the ways of Cheech and Chong sketches as I am (laughs) in season four they do a Dave's not here gag yes exactly (laughs) um so you know I just gotta throw out here I because I made this note when I was watching this sadly for like the third time what a missed opportunity to really do like you know they clearly want it want this and you learn later on why to be their very special episode but they could have gotten into like a whole you know freedom of the press thing and the principal just immediately threatens them in a way that causes them to sell out vicky as being the informant um yeah so like what is the messaging here is the messaging that you know Nixon caught the wrong end of the stick and that like Woodward and Bernstein were wrong. Like I was confused by that. No, that's a great point. I think the, the idea is that um, these two children are idiots and not good journalists. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. They would give up their sources in a heartbeat, even if that source was their father's highly questionable robot slave. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Ted. <laughs> Deep throat. Yo, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one note for this scene. And it is when Principal Bryant finally, like, when at the end of his little speech about how they suck, <laughs> he rips right. up their yes. report. 
I don't know if it was the lame recording of the audio that I was listening to or if this was the legitimate built-in audio from the episode. Here, let's see if you can tell. Let's listen to it. Without any proof whatsoever, without checking your facts, you go ahead and write a story that could have been harmful and embarrassing to the people that work in our cafeteria. Now, now... The ceiling did not cave in at the end of the sentence. That was him ripping up the paper. Yeah. That wasn't tapped dancing cats. No. That that weird sound, and if I don't know if you can isolate just that sound of the which is Yeah. <laughs> that is the sound of him not not crumpling the paper. He's ripping the paper in half and then quarters and then eighths and on down. Skywalker sound, you've done it again. <laughs> I was just obsessed with that. I listened to that like eight times. And the Oscar goes to Ben Burt. <laughs> maybe maybe the Foley notes on the script were wrong. It was supposed to say, you know, principal tears up a piece of paper, but instead it, it read, you know, five guys put their heads through a reproduction of the Mona Lisa <laughs> or something. It just sounds like... The school. The school. Dancing team is practicing next door. <laughs> 7.3 earthquake hits. It's it makes a, uh, sense. Yeah, it, it's a sound effect uh, that was left over from a Three Stooges episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a Foley artist going, it's Steve's time to shine. <laughs> That's not what a paper sounds like. Let, there's what a real paper sounds like. <laughs> It honestly, it does sound like like a feral cat stuck inside like a plastic box or something. Like I just can't understand like what they were thinking. Anybody else have any further comments on what we call Act Four? I'm scared the ceiling will collapse on me if I comment further. <laughs> so Act Five, <laughs> Ted's doing laundry, and Vicky discovers. Chrissy is a missing child from a photo on a milk carton. And Jamie and Reggie smell a scoop. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I know there's a big plot reveal with the whole, you know, Chrissy being like a, a stolen child here. Yeah, but spoiler I'd alert like... before we go any further <laughs> on this episode. We should be, Scott, we should be fair. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Oh, now man. people are not going to watch the show. I haven't seen. Now they're not going to see it yet. Ratings plummet. Um. So you know, regardless of the fact that you know Jamie's shirt has shrunken, Jamie has a shirt that says "Jamie, I heart you" on it. <laughs> That's his favorite shirt. It is his favorite shirt. And so, who gave him a shirt that says "Jamie, I heart you"? Somebody that hearts him. I think Jamie gave himself that shirt. But then he, you know, is so if he meets somebody named Jamie, does that person go, all right? Yeah. His, his dad also invented a, uh, a sentient screen printing machine that made him that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Father, why won't you give me arms? <laughs> I said on the shirt, I love you. Pipe down, screeny printy. That's what he calls it. My only note was, <laughs> was the peanut butter and sardine sandwich legit? 
or was she? That's like straight up like stealing a Flintstones joke or something there. I I just was sort of like confused as to like how I should be reacting to this. Was she trolling him by making him this shitty, awful sandwich? Did she legit think that that was a sandwich that someone would want to eat? So just so there's there's some context around it. Um, Chrissy comes in the kitchen and Vicky says she's making Jamie a sandwich and it's sardine and peanut butter. What, what's the, Sandwiches. what's the joke? Is that, does that reference anywhere else in the, in the show? It, it just feels more like what, you know, this, this whole production crew is, which is these sort of holdovers from old timey sitcoms and comedy. Where they'd be like, what's funny? You know what's funny is putting a sardine on a sandwich. With peanut butter. With peanut butter. Nobody would do that. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, and I thanks for explaining like the context because I was so You know what else is funny? Having a, a black kid not want to be Jewish. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Write it in the script. <laughs> On on the subject of uh, laughing at things that aren't funny, um, can we talk about the fact that they turn a missing three and a half year old, the uh, the late great Carlos Ramirez, yeah, that was on my notes also. into a punchline? How do you know <laughs> that he's late? <laughs> Wait, you don't think they ever found him? Uh, possibly, maybe he fell into a time wormhole and became Ted Lawson. And now you're getting ahead of us in, in a full act. Oh, I am. I just, my notes all bleed. We're into still one. in act five. Think. We're still in act 17. I can't keep up. <laughs> but I'm going to take that as a cue to well, go hang on, into before act you move, six. Hang on. Before you move on, just, just let's get back to the sandwich. There's part peanut butter and sardine. Let's talk about that sandwich. <laughs> There's sardi. And you know what? We don't, uh, nobody would make a sandwich like that. We haven't tried um, it. It could be delicious. Just going back to the, the joke that, that let off the scene where we find out that Ted is horrible, not only at, at, um, at making food for the family, but he's really bad at laundry. Uh, he shows off uh, to Joan that he washed Vicky's red sweater. And Joan says, that's my sweater. And it used to be white. So he's holding up this little tiny sweater. And I guess what I'm wondering is, Vicky wears the same fucking dress every episode. When in the world did they buy her a sweater that yeah. that he A thought he saw her wear and B that he remembers putting in the laundry and having it come back out? This guy's a fucking idiot. He is. And can we also talk about though how white hot fucking angry Joan gets she about does. the whole she, thing? She kicks it up a notch in that one. Like, and, and even the, she's got, and I don't know if you have this clip, Dennis, she's got like a, a, a two sentence line and the first sentence is fine. And then the one she walks off on, she is like, just laser fucking angry. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Well, Mr. Thoughtful just thought he'd do the laundry, huh? Doesn't it look great? I even uh, threw in one of Vicky's sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't have to thank me, hon. I won't. Before you shrank it, that was my sweater. <laughs> and it was white. <laughs> she made a choice there <laughs> to be like super mad. Like, damn, she's shown like, oh, that's my man for the, you know, 
three quarters of the the episode, and then suddenly she's just fucking had it. <laughs> I did notice that too. Act six, Dennis. Yes, sir. In Act six, uh, Ted cheats his family. He lies to his wife, and he destroys evidence of Chrissy's abduction. And there's a chicken man. And the chicken man steals the episode. And who is the chicken man, Scott? Uh, he is actually the writer of the episode. He is Bob um, McCock Herbeck. Yes, Bob Herbeck, um, who wrote a actually wrote a number of the episodes, but was also, as previously mentioned, an actor um, and had been on MASH and different strokes and Jefferson's and just a, a ton of stuff in the late 70s, early 80s. And best known, as we mentioned earlier, for writing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. And I just want to say he's not that funny. I'm just saying in comparison to the rest of the show and all the actors and all the other characters. He's a shining fucking star. He is awesome and the best thing that you will see in any episode. Short of Carlos Ramirez. Well, yeah. He had a real like uh, 80s stand-up comic vibe to me. He does. Like, he's totally. the guy you'd see at like the, you know, the Ice House or something. Yeah. <laughs> Up next at Ha Ha's. <laughs> yeah. Here's, uh, here's the chicken guy coming in. Chicken heaven. We just with the After every third thing that the guy says, he goes. Bah-gah! So I'm pretty sure he's got Tourette syndrome and we shouldn't make fun of him for that. We shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. And I'd also like to say why it wasn't a chicken restaurant. Oh, Pacock? Um He's special. Why does he say Roths of Ruck? Is that what he says? Oh, my God. How did I not catch here? That? Here's here. Let me let me play it for you. You're probably wondering why I'm whispering. I want the wife to think you cooked the chicken. All the guys do that. Rots a rock. Another pacock in there. Wow, was that Scooby-Doo or was he just going hardcore racist? That's what I don't know. That's a totally like wondering what the fuck. Why would you say rots a rock? And is it a is he referencing a thing that is known in popular culture at the time or at least 60 years before? Well, the kids like the Scooby-Doo, so. Uh, but he only says it in that one sentence. Yes, and then Vicky repeats it, though. Well, she repeats everything. Of course. But then she repeats Ross Ruck, and then she does, I think it was very, at the very end. So what he's wow, saying... Wow, I think I watched this episode three times and I didn't catch that. You gotta go back and watch it a fourth. What he's saying is... Yeah, no, that's when you get it. <laughs> Yeah, what he's saying is lots of luck, but he's doing the R's into uh, or the L's into R's, which generally, generously speaking, could be, a, could be Scooby Doo, or not so generously speaking, could be like a total racist uh, Asian stereotype. Okay, but the thing is, neither Scooby Doo or Asian stereotypes have anything to do with the context of the scene or connect to the character of the chicken delivery guy. So where does that come and from? I, I, I think yeah. you have, I don't know. You, you've basically created a summation of small wonder, <laughs> which is why, what, what, what? Yeah. That's a rook. It, yeah. When you're I trying mean... to figure out what a uh, small wonder is about, either comedy or or that was their message to the viewer yes they would say that to you rats a rock rats a rock good luck 
Um, Scott, did you want to say anything about uh, Vicky's Vicky's quote? He wants the wife to uh, think he cooked the chicken. Oh, which way? You'll have to remind. <laughs> oh my me. God, we thought we thought that you were going to jump all over this. Um, here, I'll, I'll play what she says. Oh God, is it a line I won't understand? It, it's the. I think her line reading it's is not so that, weird. It's just the line reading. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you'll be able to understand it, but but it it's very very strange the way she says it. She's parroting right, what the chicken me. guy says. Why really are you whispering? He wants to think he cooked chicken. <laughs> <laughs> The fuck? I thought for sure Brooklyn would be like, what the oh goddamn my God. hell? It, now, now see again, Dennis, that's the fourth viewing right there. Yeah. <laughs> if I'd only watched it one more time, <laughs> me, I would have been me. obsessed over I said, do you want to my chicken? Chicken. I feel like we could hear it just one more time. He wants to think he cooked chicken. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's yeah. fucking speaking Huttese or something. It's awesome. It just. What I do solo? So so they discover that Chrissy has been abducted by the picture that she has on the back of a milk carton. This is going to be a major story. They tell the parents and the parents are like, holy shit, uh, this is for real. But Ted had thrown away all he was he was he was like try, having the chicken guy show up so that he could like pretend like he cooked a real chicken meal. So he had the chicken guy show up and he puts all the chicken on a platter and he wants to throw away the chicken box and he's and and whatever garbage is laying around, which also happens to be the milk carton that has the picture of Chrissy on the back of it that proves that she was abducted. So that all gets thrown out as a part of Ted's lies to his family. It, it's a lot of writing to yes. get rid of the milk carton. Yes. Just so, to get rid of the milk carton. So. So when they find out, when the boys come in and they go, look, Chrissy's been abducted. And they're like, what's your proof? This sounds like a lie again. They're like, it's on the back of the milk carton. Where's this milk carton? And they'd thrown away the milk carton. I was sort of like, and he goes, okay, you guys, the, the game plan for the family is you two write the paper, turn it into principal so he knows what's, that she's been abducted. And that's, that's what we're going to, I'm sort of like, what, really? I'll go to We're the gonna... store and find another milk carton with that girl's yes. face on it. Yes. Well, and 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 again, to to bring up the thing I brought up uh, prematurely a couple of acts ago, um, you know, they they pull the uh, new milk carton out of the fridge and they go, "What? Is, it's Carlos Ramirez, a three and a half year old that got kidnapped or murdered or raped or yes, whatever." Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's oh, not who we we're talking the about. The amusement. I know it's so true. They they just sort of like use this other abducted kid as the as the joke fodder. I also love the fact that you know once they once they convince the parents of what's going on, Ted's direction to the kids is write that story and give it to the principal so he'll be aware of the problem. Yeah, that's what which I was is saying. The exact line. That's you what know, I was saying. Because you you got to envision that like Ted is then going to call the cops and the FBI and they're going to go. Well, 
okay, sir, but did you run it by your local middle school principal? Yes, that's totally what I was thinking. Because we actually don't find out until later, and I presume that Ted doesn't actually do it, that he calls the police or the authorities the next morning. So by- After calling the hotline, because he talks about calling the hotline, he goes, well, I called the hotline and I confirm that Chrissy is in fact missing. Yeah, and we have to assume this didn't happen last night. Because by the time but we write that story and give it to the principal, kids, so he'll be to, aware of the problem. We're not going to not call, that he'll act on it. We just want him to well, be aware. Yeah, of we're it. Not okay, gonna, so wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Go, go back, go back. The fact that so so, Scott, you're saying there really is no reason to let the principal know at this point, right? You call the fucking cops. Exactly, but at if, that point, if it was really important to let the principal know, maybe there's a better way than having your son and his friend write. A write an essay, a, a sixth okay. grade uh, article. Hold on, let him Hold know, on, Mr. Sarcasm. Hold on, like what? Like if only maybe you don't have the school's phone number, but maybe if like somebody in the household worked at the school and maybe you could go talk yeah. to the principal. I'm just saying, maybe that's maybe, not the yeah. case here. But like, okay. I don't know if like your wife was a substitute teacher or something and. I don't know. The problem is, if she went and talked to the principal, it would come out. <laughs> Here's the thing: I wouldn't. I would not send Joan in there to talk to the principal alone in his office because it would just turn into a bunch of apple polishing at, at some point. And that's yes. true. That's true. You well, never and, and just white hot anger over her destroyed sweater. Gosh, she's yeah. still pissed off about that sweater. So pissed off, she'll polish that. Taking that shit apple. to the grave. She will polish that apple to the core. Um, you know, can we also talk about the fact that, you know, when they uh, when they sort of transition into this maudlin mode of, OK, we've identified that there is a, you know, missing child at play here. They do so with this little transitional flute trill that sounds like it's going into uh, a Chicago song. I cannot help you there. Because <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, it's this weird. It's this weird little flute trill that you know sounds like it's going to go into uh, "Color My World" or something. Well, that sounds like a very serious transition, right? Yes. That's what you would. Well, that's what Pizza Tara would have us believe. May I give the show one uh, positive comment that I have? Hey, before you do that, I think Pizza Tara would be a great name for a pizza restaurant. <laughs> pizza Tara. He did it all for the glory of pizza. <laughs> I am a man who will fight for your toppings. <laughs> Come on down to Pizza Terra. <laughs> I'd probably try at least once one Pizza Terra pizza. A slice of Pizza Terra? Yeah, I'd have a slice. I'd have a slice of Pizza Terra. He did it all for the glory of bottomless soda refills. I'm sorry. What were you? You were going to say one? I was going to say that. Uh. Though Vicky didn't make me laugh, I was I was charmed by her quieter bacock. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I not, think you meant to say that about Ted. 
And it was when she was, she was, she did her little. And his long pants. At the end of that, at the end of act six, she does like a little, the cock. And then he's like, and she's like, goes, and, and does it quiet. But I, I was charmed and I, I can't explain it more than that. So how does, how does this whole (laughs) mess of a fucking episode end? Uh, You've got two um, more acts to go, actually. Two more acts. Yeah, there's two more acts. I've got an act seven and an act eight. So where did we leave off? We're at act seven. I was on uh, Grubhub uh, ordering a pizza Terra. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Des. Yeah. What kind of pizza do they serve at Pizza Terra? Well, I'm, I'm assuming that they only serve one kind of pizza at Pizza Terra. What? Chi- what is it, Dennis? Chicago style. <laughs> yes. I was gonna get. I was oh gonna try to get that. Now we can move on to the next. <laughs> now we can move on to the next. Uh, act. You call it? He can turn the word "go" into two syllables. You like a knight in shining mm. armor from a long time ago. Who? <laughs> We're a full service podcast. We are. Act seven. Join us next week for Chicago, the podcast. Act seven. Damien and Reggie turn their, in their paper to the principal, who pulls them into the hall, and now it's time for the serious smackdown. Uh, Joan runs out to vouch for them, and Ted, feeling guilty for being a scumbag that he is, shows up and brings a quart of milk. So do we remember what exactly this scene was about? <laughs> well, okay, so, so obviously the principal thinks that these two jokers, uh, Bunward and Edstein, are uh are writing another uh baseless uh yeah. article uh about their their classmate so he pulls them out into the hall to give them a what for um joan kind of calms him down and says I, I think i know what this is about and you know what joan you definitely know what this is about you don't think you you definitely know um it is true chrissy has been abducted if only we had some evidence to show you uh, Mr. Principal, and just then Ted runs in, and uh, he's got a half gallon of milk in the world's smallest paper bag. I don't know why they decided at the store to give him such a tiny paper bag for this uh, half gallon of milk. Custom yes. fit to the half gallon of. Can milk. we have a, a a an argument about whether it's a quart or a half gallon? Is that a half gallon or a quart? That's a half gallon. Okay. So there's the argument. You're wrong. It's a half gallon. <laughs> the argument is shut your hole. <laughs> it's it's a it's one of those box milks that I I I just always yeah, thought Yeah, it's a box milk. I thought it was a quart of milk. <laughs> a box no, milk. a quart of milk is is uh smaller than it's a half like gallon. The, yeah, of milk. yes, I I'm, I think I knew that. Part. You understand how that works? I do. Well, so we don't put missing children on quarts. So what is the big jug? No. Missing, missing children go on quarts. Missing babies go on half and half. Ah, I is see. the jug of milk then a full gallon? Is that why I'm... Yes. Okay, so a half gallon is the little square... Uh, yes. Okay. My notes My notes said quart, and I apologize. You'll buy a lot of milk, do you, Jim? I apologize to the, to the audience, because I, I said... In my notes, I said quart, and that was not right. Well... Yeah, it's it's obviously a half gallon because they don't make paper bags small enough to fit a quart gotcha. of milk. I understand. So I kind of thought that Ted buried the lead with the milk carton 
Giggity. What do you mean? Well, he just sort of shows up and and says that he he sort of like calls the police, calls the FBI, calls these different like institutions, and then and but it's made it seem like you know the the milk carton was the most important part of this because it had to prove that the boys weren't lying in their reports so they could win the contest. You're sort of like, yeah, the police have no records. They have no files. It's just, it's all done via milk carton. <laughs> and, and the most important thing is that the boys be proved right so that they weren't lying about in their report. You're sort of like, Ted, you're a monster. Well, yes, but that's for the principal to determine. Yeah. Again, you know, fuck the police and the FBI. Let's, uh, let's get things straight with the principal. We want him to be aware of the problem. Um. You know, that's actually funny you bring that up. Uh, most evidence, uh, if it's going to be ironclad, um, it's going to show up on a milk carton. I hear that all of Hillary's emails were on a milk carton, but then somebody <laughs> yes. threw it away. Yeah, because there's only one. They went all yeah. the emails. And no Ted. What about her milk cartons? Yeah, what about what about her milk cartons? And nobody's willing to go around the entire city to find that milk carton again. So once it's thrown out, it's over. So the cold hard evidence is the milk carton. So Ted talks to the police. He calls the hotline uh, for missing children's bureau or whatever it is. And and they quite frankly, give him way too much information about Chrissy's situation. That's true. Her, her father abducted her uh, after a recent uh, legal um, uh, custody battle. Like they would not be telling some rando that called up uh, the story of what happened to this missing kid. Um, but regardless, it, it sounds like the principal was not going to listen to anybody until you showed the proof. And that proof was on that milk garden. Yeah. That was the smoking gun for some reason. Yeah. That was the deep tonsils. It's, it's not so much that he believes them, Dennis. He's just aware of the problem. Well, thank God he's aware of the problem. Now he knows. That's right. And you know what he's going to do about that? What? nothing he's a principal of a school he can't do anything that's true now. that's true he doesn't really care she's not mm-hmm. she's not even a student there anymore no not at this point so act eight we're back at the house and in another stunning display of the parents sociopathy they make jamie and reggie in their lavish kitchen yes in the lavish kitchen with a <laughs> complete with fireplace. fireplace they make jamie and reggie a cake while Chrissy's father is on the run and the status of Chrissy is completely unknown. They're like, congratulations, kids. You, you've won. I believe they, they've now both won the contest at school and are now considered journalists on the school newspaper. Incidentally, I think your friend's dad uh, drove his car into the ocean with uh, your friend <laughs> in it, and they're both dead it's, now. It's possible, but cake? Here's a cake. Um, my only note on this was the the father's bury your face in the cake line, and that Vicky doesn't repeat it. And this is based on my thought that uh my my continuing marvel at Vicky's weird inconsistent repeating lines. But that seemed well, like she, a very repeatable line. She does repeat it, but she repeats it after Jamie says it. Oh, so so here's and, and just to. Because I think this is really strange. Here's what the, the line sounds like. Uh, you guys are going to feel a lot better when you bury your face in a big piece of that cake, huh? Why did he make it sound like an innuendo on purpose? It, 
I, I could I could accept the innuendo or that he was trying to sound like a nineteen twenty five gangster from a Warner Brothers cartoon. In a big piece of that man cake. You wanna put a big big piece of that cake, eh? You kinda had a, a gangster cartoony gangster sound. Yeah, to get it. some cake, see? Can you play it one more time? Yeah, you guys are gonna feel a lot better when you bury your face in a big piece of that cake, huh? Yeah, you see how he ends it? Eh? This yeah. was also in the 1972 film Deep Throat. <laughs> the infamous cake scene. Uh, and then, and then, so then after that, uh, Ted gets a phone call. For whatever reason, the police decide to call back the guy that called them about this missing kid to let them know they found the father. Yeah. And well, they needed they needed to like they needed to like you know not leave that hanging for the you know for the for the show. They had to like. Have so the police, well, the police were aware. The police were aware that this is a TV show. Yeah. Is what you're saying? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm true. thinking. <laughs> yes, that's, that's very what strange. I'm All right, so here's here's the. No, they had to they had to resolve that whole thing so that, that they did it in the uh, in the phone call. I get the idea why it, it was, was written in there. I'm just saying it's sloppy writing. It wasn't executed no. well. Is the, is no, the, and it's it's poorly acted. So here, let me let me play the actual the actual clip. Hey, this is Ted Lawson. Yes? That's great news. Thank you very much for calling. Terrific news, everyone. The police found Chrissy and her father, and she's going to be reunited with mom. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you feel better, guys? Yeah. Okay, now it's time to bury my face in a piece of cake after hearing that great news. Um, she she has the same reaction that uh, Lionel Richie has um, at the end of the hello video when he sees the really bad clay figurine that the blind girl sculpted and he goes, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> what? No, it's true. I have issue with this scene because at no point did the purse did, did the actor playing Ted give the person on the other line enough time to give out all that information. And in fact, I think I have an alternate ending to this. I'll play that for you as well. This is, this is probably how the scene really should have gone. Hello? Is this Ted Lawson? Hey, this is Ted Lawson. This is the police department. Yes? Chrissy's dad killed her. That's great news. Well, no, it's not. Thank you very much hey, for calling. Don't, don't hang up. Terrific news, everyone. The police found Chrissy and her father, and she's dead, deceased, toes up, pushing up daisies. Wonderful. Mm. Uh, you feel better, guys? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, different tone on that one, for sure. So, obviously, after they get the good news that everything is fine, the boys are ready for a piece of that cake. And actually, Jamie does... Uh, does say it. Now I feel like burying my face in a piece of cake. <laughs> it's not as creepy when he says it, but just based on the way Ted said it before, yeah. it makes it sound like he's he's keeping up with the innuendo and I don't like it. Yeah. And no, then I feel like polishing the apple. And then Vicky, with I think a, a large amount of restraint merely pushes his face gently into the cake when we well, know and again she has superhuman strength yeah she's a superhuman strength android i think they could have totally gone wes craven's deadly friend totally and where his face yeah. goes through the table 
Yeah, totally. You know, and blows up like uh, Ann Ramsey getting hit with the uh, basketball or whatever the hell Christy Swanson <laughs> throws at her in Deadly Friend. Yeah, photo Real thing. Look it up. One year. Well, I might add one year before this episode. Full, full scanners, you know, skull explosion as he goes through the chocolate cake into the table. That's not a good way to lead off season three. No, because that would probably be the end. You're right. It would, but it's a hell of a cliffhanger. Like you'd have to watch at least episode one of season three to two. go. How the hell are they going to resolve this? Ted makes Jamie a robot head. Oh, yeah, he definitely would do that. Um, so so Jamie doesn't get his face pushed too hard into it by Vicky, but then Reggie laughs at Jamie, and Jamie hate crimes Reggie's face <laughs> into that cake. Like he, he fucking WWFs his face into that cake. I'm surprised he didn't get on the top rope. Oh, to... he seriously does. Like it, it it makes you wonder if there was some like on the set animosity or something. They all seem to laugh like legit about it. So maybe it was just because how much cake ends up sticking to Reggie's face. And that was the funny, but I don't know. I, I would, I would love to interview Reggie on this, the actor who played Reggie on this, because I think there might be some inside scoop. Well, where is Reggie now? What? No, Reggie no, is alive know. and well. Yeah, like, he could he's, be. He's alive and well? Yeah, he's what? totally fine. The music is lying in this case. Usually that music means the person is dead. No, Reggie's fine. But he's in a well. Wait, well he's alive in a well with a shit ton of cake stuck to his face, but he's fine. He never recovered from that cake facing. No, how who could? <laughs> he was pushed so hard he in that cake. He puts the cake on his skin. And there's Wait, probably still inside his... Say that again, Scott. The origin story. <laughs> of cake he, puts, he puts the cake on his skin. Or else what? You said he was in a well. Where he goes in the well again? Well again. That's right. Well, well again. Well again's a good cop. All right. Well, hopefully we'll never have to watch another episode of Small Wonder ever again. Um, mm. I've got my fill. I don't know oh, about yeah. you guys, but. Uh, mm. uh, well, I guess I can go for another one. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Let's pause here and watch another one. Uh, No, we've got to maximize our scope and watch something else. So the way that we do this is somebody's got to choose what we watch next. And Josh, it's your turn. So what are we thinking? Thank you. Well, as soon as you told me it was my turn uh, to pick the next episode to watch, uh, I immediately thought of this and nothing else. This was the only thought. Oh, that I ever had. Don't tease me. Don't tease me, Josh Parker. <laughs> and it is Misfits of Science. Ah, the Misfits, Misfits of, of Science. Science. Yeah. What What the hell is this show? Because I don't really know this show. I remember oh, this show. You're going to get to know the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like weird science or something. Is that what yeah. they're... It was kind of like that, except it was completely different, if I recall. <laughs> no, I remember this. It was in the mid-80s at some point, and... Uh, science was real big in the mid-80s. There was a lot of science-related stuff. Yes. But in 2020, science is not really popular, yeah. like, not at so all. Not at all. Not so much. Yeah. But back in the mid-80s, people like science. People like oh. science. Okay. Weird Science was a movie. Uh, back to the Future was a lot about science. That was 1985. <laughs> These are all 1985 science references. A lot of science happening in the mid-80s. 
Um, but I remember this show. I don't remember much about it. I remember being excited that it was on and I thought it was cool when I was nine or however old I was when this show was on the air. You were um, watching the show when you weren't gleaming the cube around this time, right? <laughs> Is that a euphemism? <laughs> yes. I was alone in my room gleaming my cube. Yeah. Well, it was the mid 80s. That's what kids were doing back then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, is this is this relevant to polishing apples? Is there is there a good question? Is there a relationship what? between? Have you never skateboarded, Jeff? Uh, yeah, all the time. I was a skater punk. Okay, all right. Um, Josh, is there a specific episode we're supposed to watch? Oh, we're not watching the entire season. <laughs> uh, uh, no, let's not do that again. Uh, yeah, it is the episode called uh, "Sonar Yet So Far," which is a pun because oh, it was about a talking dolphin. Oh my god. All right. Talking dolphins. Well, well, sounds great. I'm sure I'll love it. Uh, All right. Well, we've got a show to go watch. So uh, (laughs) good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Or day. We don't know. I don't know when you're listening to this. Goodbye. We'll see you next time. I do solo. Can I? Can I? Can I? See, see, see.